welcome once again to More Than a Storybook. Our purpose is to deepen our understanding of the Bible, showing that the Bible is more than just a storybook. This is Chad France and Josh Woodruff here, and this week we're going to be talking about selected stories with Abraham, Sarah, and Isaac, and a familiar interaction with a guy named Abimelech. And so these passages may not be quite as familiar to many of our listeners, uh, but they're really interesting. There's a lot to learn from how these people sinned and how they responded to it in their lives. Yeah, just to kind of foretaste here, as I read through these passages, I oftentimes think back to Tom and Jerry cartoons, the cartoons of, you know, people just doing stupid things and you just kind of laugh at them, but you know, yeah, they're really doing some stupid things. So with that being said, we're going to have conversations on this. We encourage you guys to open up your Bibles. If you don't have one, you can download an app or just listen to us along, um, And if you want to, you can even pause the podcast right now to go and download or grab that. So we're going to go ahead and start off with Genesis chapter 12. I'll go ahead and read the whole section for us from verses 10 through 20. So read along with us here in Genesis 12, 10 through 20. Now there was a famine in the land, so Abram went down to Egypt to sojourn there, for the famine was severe in the land. When he was about to enter Egypt, he said to Sarai, his wife, I know that you are a woman, beautiful in appearance, and when the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife. Then they will kill me, but they will let you live. Say, you are my sister, that it may go well with me because of you, and that my life may be spared for your sake. When Abram entered Egypt, the Egyptians saw that the woman was very beautiful. And when the princes of Pharaoh saw her, they praised her to Pharaoh. And the woman was taken into Pharaoh's house. And for her sake, he dealt well with Abram. And he had sheep, oxen, male donkeys, male servants, female servants, female donkeys, and camels. But the Lord afflicted Pharaoh and his house with great plagues because of Sarai, Abram's wife. So Pharaoh called Abram and said, What is this you have done to me? Why did you not tell me that she was your wife? Why did you say she is my sister so that I took her for my wife? Now then, here is your wife. Take her and go. And Pharaoh gave men orders concerning him, and they sent him away with his wife and all that he had. So, Josh, what are your thoughts here on this passage? Uh, Just wow. Um, First off, I think we have to admit that this comes in the middle of a story already happening, right? There is some background, namely, who is Abram and who is Sarah, his wife, right? They are people who God called to be his followers, to kind of be the head of the future nation of Israel, to be his people. And what's the first story after Abraham is called? It's this one. I mean, when I read this, when I hear it being read, I just shake my head almost in embarrassment. I mean, what is this plan? There's a famine in the land, so they go to the land of Egypt. And when they go, Abraham says, hey, My beautiful wife, you are very attractive. I don't want people to kill me because of you, so say you're my sister. Does anyone think that is a good plan? Not at all. And you know, what I notice here, when we view life, we need to look at our actions and consider, are these honoring to God? Abraham clearly violates several things in this passage that are not okay before the Lord. For one thing, he lies. Straight away, we see lying. 
he lies about his wife and says that she is his sister. So it's a lie. We know that lying is not okay before the Lord. The Lord wants us to be truthful. Uh, secondly, as a husband, his job is to protect his wife. Now, Abraham might look at this as protecting his wife, but in reality, he is causing his wife to sin. That is one of the worst possible things that you can do for your wife. It's putting your wife in a situation that is going to set her up for failure. We are supposed to, as husbands, guide our families in a way that cause them to honor the Lord, not cause them to sin. So that's what we see here going on, I think, is lying, a lack of actual leadership and protection from Abraham. And it's sad. It's really sad. Yeah. And it's even selfish, too. I mean, if we look at verse 13 of this chapter, he says, say that you are my sister. And then he explains why. He says that it may go well with not us, not you, but me because of you. This entire plan is for Abraham's benefit at Sarah's uh, downfall, really. At Yeah, it's, it's a hard thing to look at. And I kind of really agree with what you said, Chad, about we have to follow God. And this is a clear example of Abraham not doing that. Another thing that I notice is the temptation. You know, we as people can look at Abraham and just judge, judge, judge for what's going on. But in reality, we can go through the same types of temptations. Let's look at the, the circumstances. Verse 10, there was a famine in the land. They were without food. Time was difficult. Mm -hmm. So that's why Abram went down to Egypt in the first place. He was already stressed. He was already struggling. They were having to go away from their homeland because they didn't have enough food. And I think it's oftentimes in those moments, those moments where we're already weak, we're already struggling, that it's easy for us to be tempted to sin. And so we need to be aware of that as people, that we are weak individuals. And when life is stressful, when difficult things are going on, many of our listeners are high schoolers. You guys go through times. It can be because you're struggling with school. Home life can be difficult. Whatever it is, you're going through difficulties in your friendships. Know that those are times where you're likely to sin. And then secondly, as they got there, there was a real danger. Ultimately, he was anxious. There was anxiety on the part of Abraham and that anxiety led to sin. So we need to understand that anxiety is something that there's really no place for in our hearts. Philippians tells us be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known to God with thanksgiving. So there, the temptation, I want to focus on that a little bit. He was tempted, he was anxious, he was in a difficult spot. We also are tempted to sin in those situations. Mm -hmm. We need to watch ourselves. Yeah, definitely. Um, and even just looking at the real threat that Abraham was going through back then, we don't, we're so distant from this kind of culture that we don't understand and maybe we don't naturally read into it. But back then, kings could take whoever they wanted. Kings had sole authority over their kingdoms. There weren't checks and balances like there are nowadays, especially in the small nation states of the ancient Near East around the area of Israel. So this was a real, real chance that Pharaoh could have wanted Abram's wife, wanted Sarah, and killed Abram for her. It's a brutal thing, and Abraham, out of his fear, reacted, we would say, poorly. Yeah, so I think for 
Josh and I and all of our listeners, we need to just evaluate our hearts and also depend on the Lord. Where do we see prayer in this passage? Where do we see any type of crying out to God for help? Abraham is just taking things into his own hands. And so when we're in difficult spots in life, prayer, dependence on God is what we need to demonstrate. I think of an exact opposite situation of this, Nehemiah. In the book of Nehemiah, Nehemiah had people that were trying to kill him, uh, people that were trying to stop him, and the people from rebuilding the wall. What did Nehemiah do? Pray. He had adversaries, guys named Sambalot and Tobiah. They were terrible, just like the Pharaoh, but he prayed and God helped him through it. So prayer is something that should have showed up here, and that's what we need to do. Yeah. And what were the consequences for this action that Abraham or that Abram and his wife did? Well, first we see that Abram was treated well. And that might strike us as a little weird, right? Like Abram's treated well because of his wife's sake. Abram's getting sheep, oxen, uh, donkeys, servants, um, and camels. That might really throw us off. But I think we have to realize that when we sin, there might not always be direct consequences immediately. We might be lulled into a sense of false security thinking, you know, I'm getting away with this. I did this thing that maybe wasn't right, and you see I'm reaping some rewards from it. Maybe it's cheating on a test in school. I mean, an immediate reward could be a good grade, but it does sacrifice so much more than that in the long run. And we see, although Abram was blessed in the short term because of his terrible deed, it created much, much more dramatic effects in the long term for him and for others. And what were those effects, Chad? Well, first of all, we have an effect that him and his wife now have a pattern of sin. Um, as you get into a pattern of sinning, it becomes easy to sin again, mm-hmm. especially if you're not repentant of it. And in fact, I think that leads into our next passage very well in chapter 20. If we could turn over there from Genesis 12 and go over to chapter 20, unless if you have anything else on 12, Josh. Yeah, I was just going to say... Um that the actions of their sin, I mean, if we continue reading verses 17 through 20 of Genesis 12, we see that Pharaoh was cursed by God because he had taken mm. Abram's wife. That Abram's sin caused an entire nation to fall under the wrath of God. And while that might not be directly towards Abram, it caused a severing, a real disruption in that relationship between him and the Pharaoh of Egypt. To the point where Pharaoh tells Abram, now now then, here is your wife, take her and go. Get away from me because your sin is causing pain for us. And I think that is important to see, something that we've talked about in the past, that the effects of our sin can hurt other people. Mm -hmm. So Abram learned his lesson, right? I mean, yeah, he did this terrible thing. He might have gotten some short-term benefits, but he also caused great pain to an entire nation. And he was confronted on his sin. He learned his what lesson, right? Unfortunately, no. And that's what I was mentioning as a consequence. He, We don't see repentance anywhere here exactly. And so now him and Sarah are in a habit of sinning. And that's something important for us to remember. When we sin, it becomes easier for us to continue sinning if there's not repentance. Look at chapter 20 of Genesis. Genesis chapter 20. And you're going to be shocked and see something very similar happening again. So we'll start in chapter 20, verse 1. From there, Abraham journeyed toward the territory of the Negev. 
and lived between Kadesh and Shur, and he sojourned in Gerar. And Abraham said of Sarah, his wife, She is my sister. And Abimelech, king of Gerar, sent and took Sarah. But God came to Abimelech in a dream by night and said to him, Behold, you are a dead man because of the woman whom you have taken, for she is a man's wife. Now Abimelech had not approached her, so he said, Lord, will you kill an innocent people? Did he not himself say to me, She is my sister? And she herself said, He is my brother. And the integrity of my heart and the innocence of my hands, I have done this. Then God said to him in the dream, Yes, I know that you have done this in the integrity of your heart, and it was I who kept you from sinning against me. Therefore, I did not let you touch her. Now then, return the man's wife, for he is a prophet, so that he will pay, pray for you, and you shall live. But if you do not return her, know that you shall surely die, you and all who are yours. So Abimelech rose early in the morning and called all his servants and told them all these things. And the men were very much afraid. Then Abimelech called Abraham and said to him, What have you done to us? And how have I sinned against you that you have brought on me and my kingdom a great sin? You have done to me things that ought not to be done. And Abimelech said to Abraham, What did you see that you did this thing? Abraham said, I did it because I thought there is no fear of God at all in this place, and they will kill me because of my wife. Besides, she is indeed my sister, the daughter of my father, uh, though not the daughter of my mother, and she became my wife. And when God caused me to wander from my father's house, I said to her, This is the kindness you must do me at every place to which we come. Say of me, he is my brother. Then Abimelech took sheep and oxen and male servants and female servants and gave them to Abraham and returned Sarah, his wife, to him. And Abimelech said, Behold, my land is before you. Dwell where it pleases you. To Sarah, he said, Behold, I have given your brother a thousand pieces of silver. It is a sign of your innocence in the eyes of all who are with you. And before everyone you are vindicated. Then Abraham prayed to God, and God healed Abimelech, and also healed his wife and female slaves, so that they bore children. For the Lord had closed all the wombs of the house of Abimelech because of Sarah, Abraham's wife. Wow. Just, wow. I think we could all take a step back and notice that this is, one, unexpected, right? And two, just a continuation of this terrible thing. Abraham did not learn his lesson. Just eight chapters later, after the first passage that we read, he was wandering again and saw another king and had the same exact lion plays. Actually, as we read through, we learned that that was their habit, that every place that they went, Abraham said that his wife Sarah was his sister and that he was her brother. That was a standing practice for them. They did that everywhere. And this is just one of those other instances. Yeah, it's incredible to see the widespread nature. It's like I said earlier, Abraham and Sarah got in this habit of sinning this way to the point that you see verse 13, this is the kindness you must do me at every place to which we come save me. He is my brother. This was a widespread sin issue for Abraham and Sarah. And they got in a pattern of sinning. And that's the the really dangerous spot for us as people. It's one thing to have an isolated sin. Let's say, for example, you stole candy as a high schooler from your pantry that your mom told you not to take. You did it once, you went and confessed it to her, and that was it. You didn't do it again. But imagine if you had a habit of doing that. Every two days, you would steal something from the kitchen that you weren't supposed to. And that just became an ongoing way of life. 
it's going to be really hard to get out of that sin. And that's what happened to Abraham and Sarah here. They got in a pattern of sin and it just took over. The other thing that's interesting, Josh mentioned this before, but we see the consequences of sin. Sin has consequences not only on the individual sinning, but on people around them. And we see that to the point that the wombs of the house of Abimelech were closed. No one was able to have kids because of the sin. And there was a real threat to Abimelech himself because of the sin of Abraham and Sarah. And so many times we think that when we sin, it just impacts us. But no, it impacts everyone around us, really. Yeah. And it's crazy to see that. I mean, God literally appeared to Abimelech, the king of that area, in a dream and said, you're a dead man because of this thing. That the consequences are that severe. Mm -hmm. But what stands out to me in an amazing way is that God said that to Abimelech before anything had happened. Mm -hmm. Before Abimelech violated Abraham's wife, before he violated Sarah. In a way, God was warning Abimelech and said, hey, I'm going to give you a chance to do what is right. Protecting him from the effects of Abraham's sin. And this is amazing to me. That God is a God who desires people to follow after him. Who wants to give people second chances. I mean, this is a second chance for Abraham and Sarah and they failed. But he is giving Abimelech a chance to do what is right. Mm -hmm. And what's even more shocking is that Abimelech, this guy who is a king of an area that Abraham says there is no fear of God in that area, so really not the best guy, did what was right when Abraham and Sarah did what was wrong. In this story, the most God-fearing or the most God-honoring person is Abimelech, this king of a sinful pagan nation, even more so than God's chosen person, Abraham himself. And it, I don't know, it's so encouraging to me that God gives people chances to do what is right. Mm -hmm. That he doesn't just, that he doesn't always just let us fall into our temptations, but he can come and say, maybe it's through someone else even in our own lives, hey, don't do that. And I've had that happen to me a lot of times. Where someone, I believe, sent from God, encouraged by God, will come to me and say, hey, I see you doing this thing. That's not a good thing. Mm. Oftentimes, it's my wife who says some really convicting things because she knows where I need to grow most. And it is in that, through friends and family telling you how you can work better to obey God, that you can truly grow. And that's a huge blessing in our lives. And I think an amazing thing we can take from this. Definitely. I agree. You know, contrasted with sin, we see God's faithfulness and the Lord is always good in all of his ways. The way he handles things with Abimelech, very gracious, um, giving him an opportunity. And then we see obedience on the part of Abimelech responding the right way, ultimately uh, following the Lord faithfully here we see in doing exactly what God says. And so that's really important. For us to see that model and see that standard and then we should really follow likewise i think in the line of abimelech but we also need to be careful one other thing with abraham he was an excuse maker here we have him making excuses for his sin 
And we see that throughout the Bible, people making excuses for their sin. Abraham is like, hey, well, besides, she is indeed my sister, the daughter of my father, though not the daughter of my mother, and she became my wife. That's his justification for it. He's like, she actually is kind of my sister. Who cares? You know, but we often do that. When we're caught in a corner and we sin, we like to make excuses. Not a good practice. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, the technicalities of that. Um, Again, I just want to admit that that's a little weird to us, but back in that culture, it was common although it might not have been exactly God's will to marry your half-sister. But he used that as an excuse to justify his sin and his lying and his selfish behavior. And I think contrasting with Abimelech, we do need to see the warning of Abraham and Sarah that we cannot continue in trends of sin like Chad talked about earlier. That when we are confronted with something, when God says, hey, you need to change your behavior, Or maybe through a friend or family member, God tells you that. You need to actually make some change in your lives and not get in these habits that constantly hurt other people. I mean, Chad brought up the candy bar illustration. I'm going to bring up one that might be a little bit more um, hard-hitting, and that's lust. Mm -hmm. Because that victimizes other people and is sinful, and it hurts others as well. It's one of those sins that is so easy to build habits Four. And my encouragement to you guys would be to watch those habits and make sure that they do not grow. Take care of them before they get too big, before they become too habitual. Because we see, yeah, as we talked about earlier, this was a habit that Abraham and Sarah did. Everywhere they went, they had the same lie that caused harm to others. So are you going to be like Abraham and Sarah? being in these habits and these cycles of sin that cause pain on yourselves and others? Or are you going to be like Abimelech, who when confronted with his sin actually went above and beyond to the point where he asked Abraham to pray for him, that he gave Abraham a bunch of gifts like, hey, I want to be as above board as possible here and honor God as much as I can through not sinning but also doing good. Very good thoughts. Thank you, Josh. Yeah, and this this is really convicting, looking at all this that happened with Abraham. And before we move on to the next person in our story, which is Isaac, I want us to think a little bit about Abraham and Sarah. They're both named in the Hall of Faith. Abraham is the individual that the Jewish people, for generation after generation, have said that they were descendants from. He was a man who God made a covenant with, the covenant with Abraham, a great promise Clearly, he was considered a faithful follower of God. Throughout scripture, we see these spiritual superheroes were very human, Mm -hmm. capable of sin. And Abraham and Sarah ultimately did, for the most part, follow the Lord. We need to understand that we too will be weak. We too will have moments of sin in our lives. And we need to learn from the mistakes of those before us. But we need to understand we won't be perfect. And so then it's very important that we deal with the sin after the fact. But know that God is gracious. Mm -hmm. He is willing to bear with us and to teach us lessons through all that we go through. And that's a great encouragement to me. Seeing Abraham and Sarah's names in the Hall of Faith, seeing how God used them, it's all about God. It's all about how he uses weak people to accomplish great things. Yeah. If God is using one of us, we shouldn't have a sense of pride in that. We should know that it's all the Lord. It's all him and everything that he has done. Yeah, and this is such an encouragement because I know, yeah, 
I'm not a perfect person. I would assume Chad isn't a perfect person either. Um, but yeah, with Abraham and Sarah, did they learn their lesson? They should have, right? I mean, two drastic instances of them causing harm to other nations and God not supporting them in that. It's over, right? There's nowhere else to go. Our story should be done. They learned their lesson. At least they should have. We see just six chapters later, the effects of their sin go so much farther than they could have expected. So we look at Genesis chapter 26, starting in verse 6, talking about Abraham's son, Isaac, and his son's wife, Rebekah. Genesis 26, verse 6, follow along with me. So Isaac settled in Gerar. When the men of the place asked him about his wife, he said, She is my sister. For he feared to say, My wife, thinking lest the men of the place should kill me because of Rebekah, because she was attractive in appearance. When he had been there a long time, Abimelech, king of the Philistines, looked out of a window and saw Isaac laughing with Rebekah, his wife. So Abimelech called Isaac and said, Behold, she is your wife. How could you say she is my sister? Isaac said to him, Because I thought, lest I die because of her. Abimelech said, What is this you have done to us? One of the people might easily have lain with your wife, and you would have brought guilt upon us. So Abimelech warned all the people, saying, Whoever touches this man or his wife shall surely be put to death. The great tragedy here is we see not just Abraham and Sarah, but also their son and daughter-in-law committing the same exact sin that they did before. And isn't it interesting who is impacted here? Abimelech. Poor guy. Can't catch a break. But you know, this is often something that will happen. You have parents that sin in a certain way and then children that follow suit. Now, the kids are responsible for their own actions. The parents are responsible for their own actions. In the Bible, you are responsible for your own sin. But as a parent, you cannot sin and think that your kids won't pick up on that. There's a reason in many communities, if you have parents that struggle with drug and alcohol abuse, their children will follow suit. That's what they've mm -hmm. seen modeled to them. That's the parenting they've received. And so we see Isaac, who had seen the example of his parents following suit. And so this is important for our listeners. Not many of you are parents, but as you become an adult, you need to understand that as you get married and have kids, you need to be very careful what you model to your children. They will soak it up like a sponge. They will follow your example. I have two young children, one of who is a toddler, and she does that. She picks up everything we say, the way we act, our mannerisms. She tries to copy them, imitate them. As kids grow older, it's the same way. The other thing that's important for us to understand is as we see people sin, we need to learn from their mistakes. Isaac did not learn from his parents' mistake. Things did not go well. A whole nation got cursed. Everything happened with Abimelech, and then he goes and does the same thing. For those of you that are growing up right now as children, you see sin of those older than you, of adults. Learn from their mistakes and don't do the same thing. It's really important that we actually learn from what's going on. Yeah. My challenge to you guys would be be better than the people who you see. Be better, not in like a, oh, you're more 
talented or you're smarter than them, but in how you live and how you love. Be better in how you care about other people. Be better in how you obey God. Because Isaac and his wife, Rebecca, were not. They saw what their parents did, and they did exactly that. And I know this is a challenge for all of us because parents are not perfect. Whether you, ha- you come from a good home or a hard home, right? Whether your home life is nice or whether it is difficult, your parents will be doing things that aren't always perfect. So my challenge to you guys is to break that cycle. If your parents struggle with drug and alcohol addictions, break that cycle. Be the ones to step out from that. If your parents even struggle with something a lot smaller, like maybe even gossip, break that cycle and be better. Learn from other people's mistakes because people are not perfect. But also remember that people are watching you as well, even if you're a teenager, even if you are in high school or in junior high. Your friends are watching you and they can learn from what you do, especially if you call yourself a Christian. So be better than those who went before you by learning from their mistakes, but also remember that people can learn from yours as well. Another thing that I would like to add here is in this passage, Genesis 26, we see Isaac's sin. Yes. At the same time, we see the Lord blessing him. Verse 12, it says that the Lord blessed him. And then we see in verses 23 through 25, from there he went up to Beersheba. And the Lord appeared to him the same night and said, I am the God of Abraham, your father. Fear not, for I am with you and will bless you and multiply your offspring for my servant Abraham's sake. So he built an altar there and called upon the name of the Lord and pitched his tent there. And there Isaac's servants dug a well. Just as there is a consequence for a parent's sin toward their children, there's also a blessing for those that follow the Lord faithfully. Overall, Abraham, not perfect, but overall he did faithfully follow the Lord. And the Lord did make a covenant with Abraham. And God is keeping that promise. He's blessing Isaac here and ask Isaac to fear him. Isaac overall, from what we can see, does. And he's blessed. And so that's a great important thing too. Many of our listeners do have parents that fear the Lord. Not perfect parents, but parents that do fear and honor God. Follow that example of your parents. Be God-fearers. And understand that it is a blessing to have parents that follow God. It truly is. Isaac experienced that blessing. And we need to understand that following the Lord is the right way to go. It doesn't mean that your life will be perfect. It doesn't mean that you won't go through trials. It doesn't mean that there will be blessings at every corner. But in general, the Lord will be with you in life. And that is good news. And we see that here in Genesis 26. And I think that kind of leads to our fourth point, God in all of this. What are some takeaways about God from these passages we looked at for you, Josh? Oh, God is so patient. So incredibly patient. I mean, we look at Abraham and his son Isaac and the multiple instances of them following after the same pattern of stupid behavior and sin. And God still is faithful to them. God promised Abraham in the passage right before even our first passage that we looked that he would be with him. And no matter how much Abraham fell, no matter how much even his son Isaac fell, God was still with him in his family. God is so patient for us. And that is so, it gives me so much hope. 
because I know I fail a lot. And yet God is still with me if I desire to please him. And as Chad said, it's not about being perfect. It's about wanting to follow God and growing in that. Just like Abraham, Isaac, and Sarah and Rebecca did not grow, we need to kind of be above that and really push to grow because God has given us the grace and the hope to do so. Definitely. I agree. I see patience here. Josh mentioned that. I see faithfulness. I see God's faithfulness to his promises to Abraham and to taking care of him and Sarah through all of this. Um, also, just the graciousness of God to give people chances to do the right thing. That's what happened with Abimelech, and that stands out to me. The Lord gives us the chance when we sin to turn from that sin and to make things right. We need to make sure that we're quick to do that. There are many times where I have been in a pattern of sin, like Abraham and Sarah. There's been something that I've held on to that I don't want to give up. And we need to see God's goodness and just desire to honor him in our lives. This God, he is awesome. He's wonderful. He's slow to anger. He's abounding in steadfast love. Our desire should be to honor him in our lives mm. and not to hold on to futile sin that just hurts everyone around us. And, you know, that's another thing with God. The reason he tells us not to sin is because it's harmful. It's just like a parent who tells her child not to touch a hot stove. He knows that it's going to burn us and it's going to hurt us. And I'm thankful that God has warned us against it because we see the painful consequences here. Mm -hmm. So I want to keep that in mind. God knows better than I do. I need yeah. to listen to him. Yeah, definitely. God is throughout all of this, although we don't see him mentioned too much in these passages, we know that he is working behind the scenes and still being patient with and persevering with and being faithful towards his followers who at times behave incredibly stupidly. And that is so, so amazing for us and gives us so much hope. Is there anything you would like to add, Chad? I believe that about wraps us up today. Thank you for joining us for another episode of More Than a Storybook. Uh, once again, if you happen to have any comments, questions, something you'd like to contact us about, feel free to send us an email at crfhistorian at gmail.com. crfhistorian at gmail.com. Yeah, and if you guys find this podcast to be a blessing in your life, um, if it is encouraging you to follow God better, or even just helping you to grow in your knowledge of the Bible, I want to encourage you guys to share it with your friends, to tell your family about it, because we want the Word of God to be in the ears of everyone and more people to be exposed to what the Bible really does say. Definitely. Well, this is Chad France. And this is Josh Woodruff signing off from more than a storybook. Mm -hmm.